Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Welcome back to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast, and if you are a grandma, you are welcome too. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Beth Schaefer for sharing the podcast last week. She shared it on Facebook, the one with uh, me and Trevor talking about Atomic Habits. And then there was this grandma who commented underneath, and she says, quote, this ain't your grandma's podcast, end quote, but I'm a grandma. I just want you to know that if you're a grandma listening to this, you are more than welcome to listen and get other grandmas to listen to it, too. I'm all for that. Um, If you didn't get the spirit of the intro line, this ain't your grandma's podcast, That's just a nifty way of saying this isn't like your typical podcast that you may be accustomed to listening to, especially of the Church of Christ flavor. Um, Not to say that it's unbiblical or anything far from it. That is, our goal is to be biblical, to to be pleasing to God, glorifying to God. We just do a few extra things like tell some dramatic Bible stories, tell some jokes here and there that you may not be accustomed to, but Grandma's welcome. I felt like I needed to give that explanation after our events last week on Facebook. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you're back. This episode is brought to you by 5MinuteBibleStudy.com, as always. I'm your host, Aaron Batty. Uh, this week's promo item is t-shirts. So I just designed, if you haven't seen the Instagram and Facebook page preview of the t-shirt that I just ordered last night, uh, there is a 5-Minute Bible Study t-shirt on the front. It just says 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. On the back, it says, This Ain't Your Grandma's dot, dot, dot podcast. YouTube channel, social media page. So it's just uh, taking that famous line that is now uh, becoming famous for my podcast and putting that on a shirt so that you can wear it, share it proudly. Um, I think I got about 30 orders, and then I ordered about 10 extra. So if you wear a large, medium, or extra large T-shirt, then you're welcome to reach out to me, and I have a few extra that are going to be coming in at the beginning of May. Uh, share the podcast with people on your shirt, share it on social media, share it when you're at your barber just talking, say, Hey, I got something great for you to listen to and get the word out there this week. Again, I have another interviewee last week. It was, well, I shouldn't say last week. I'm doing this every other week, but last time I interviewed Trevor Calvert, really enjoyed that. I hope y'all did too. Um, and then this time we were having a return guest ever popular, the one and only Chance Dyer. We're going to be talking about Chance's spiritual growth and what he has learned now two years as a Christian, things that he thought before he was a Christian, and how those have dramatically changed in the two years as he has grown spiritually. So uh, that's all what the title of the podcast is about and what this episode is about. It is about a 40-minute interview, so I'm not going to have a lot of the segments once again, but I am going to give you all a dramatic retelling of the story where Peter tries to walk on water to Jesus. So be a short story. I hope you enjoy. So after the Bible story, we'll have the main dish with Chance, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay, so the Bible story is about Jesus walking on water. Uh, Everybody should be semi-familiar with that if you have been going to church for very long in your life. It's in Matthew chapter 14 if you want to go check out and read exactly what the Bible says on this story. We're going to jump into it. So Jesus had just fed, in this story of Matthew, he had just fed the 5,000, and the Bible says that he 
sent them away, all the people, and he went up onto a mountain to pray by himself. And so the disciples are kind of like on their own, solo, without the master. And they get into a boat, as several of these guys are fishermen anyway. And the Bible says, and they went before him to the other side. And so anyways, Jesus is up on the mountain praying as he likes to do. And the Bible says that when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat with the disciples was now in the middle of the sea. And, oh, this terrible storm came up with tons of waves and wind and thunder, and, and it was just terrifying. And John screamed like a girl. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but we can just imagine that he probably did scream like a girl along with the other disciples, at least from what the Bible story conveys to <laughs> That's just my part. Okay, so anyways, they're in the middle of all of this terrible storm. Jesus ain't there. And the Bible says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And so as Jesus does, always defying nature, he just comes out of nowhere and of course, you can imagine with all this, the rain coming flying down from the heaven, hail, um, and they're having trouble seeing anyway. They don't recognize it's him. For besides that, like somebody walking on the water, this is insane. Like this does not happen. So it must be a ghost. Literally, one of them calls out and says, "It's a ghost!" <coughs> and he screams again like a girl. And they cried out for fear. The Bible says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, "Be of good cheer." It is I. Do not be afraid. <laughs> and Peter answered him. Of course, he's like usually always the first one to speak. And he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And when Peter had gotten out of the boat, the Bible says, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And we can imagine, you know, like he dips his big toe in the water first. And then he dips his foot in the water. And then he like gets on the water and he's hovercrafting on the water, but there's no hovercraft. And he takes one step to Jesus and he takes another step to Jesus and he keeps getting closer and closer. But then all of a sudden the wind picked up. It was super boisterous. He got afraid. He starts to look down, takes his eyes off of Jesus, thunderclap, and he begins to sink again, scream. Lord, save me! And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand. He caught him and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And they got into the boat, and when they did, and Jesus stepped onto the boat, immediately the wind ceased. And the Bible says that the rest of the disciples in the boat, they came and they worshiped and saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What an amazing scene. Wouldn't you like to have been there? That's the story of Jesus walking on water. Okay, we're back here on the main dish of the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast, and I have with me Chance Dyer here. Chance, say hello to everybody. Hey, how are y'all doing? Now, we're going to talk about... Now, we haven't completely decided on the title of this podcast episode, but at this point, we're calling it What I've Learned Since Becoming a Christian with Chance Dyer. Um, by the time this actually gets published, it may be different, so that'll account for the discrepancy. But anyways, um, Chance has been on the podcast before. What have we talked about before? It all slips my mind. I think we talked about alcohol. Yeah, we talked about alcohol, and then we talked about um, reading your Bible, daily Bible reading. That's for, Oh, yeah, that's the one. Actually, that's been the most famous podcast episode on the podcast, so um, I don't know if you knew that. Oh, very nice, yeah. I'm telling Getting you, the views. I'm telling you that right now. I just noticed the other day. It's almost reached 1,000 
listens on that episode, and that's like far and beyond any of the other episodes. But anyways, uh, today we're going to talk about, again, what you've learned since becoming a Christian. There's obviously, that's pretty general, pretty broad, but uh, we're going to focus on some fundamentals, uh, what I call fundamentals, what Ron Quarter told me, (laughs) fundamentals when I went to study with him a couple years ago. But um, I guess there's no better way to do this than to just jump right into it. Um, in the last episodes, I think that you've shared a little bit of your background, religious background with people, kind of. Um, but let's just kind of go back to that. And the question I want to ask you to start things off is, when did your faith in Christ start to develop and grow, really? I think it started when I was coming up empty with a lot of the things that I was, that I was doing, um, seeking pleasure in, in my life. And I had a incident occur where I ended up, I was in the hospital. And so I already had found a void that was in my life. And I guess it just gave me time to reflect. It wasn't so much of a thought of being scared of dying, but it just gave me a good opportunity to reflect. I mean, I was in the hospital laying there for like two weeks straight. So it was, you know, lots and lots of time just to sit there and think about things. And when I was sitting there laying, laying in the bed and thinking, I was like, you know, I've tried this whole partying thing and I've, I've been trying to, you know, date girls now and like try to get try to get my life started in several different ways. And none of these things have really panned out yet. And I was like, you know, for several years now, I've called myself a Christian and I was like, I really don't know that much about it. You know, I haven't hardly ever picked my Bible up and read it. I just I don't really know that much about God. And I was like, I'm going to I think, you know, if I'm able to get out of this hospital that that's where I'm going to go. That's that's my next step in in trying to seek what I'm looking for in life. And so that's what I did. Sure enough, I, I made it out of the hospital. I'm very, very thankful for that. Hey, before you go further, is this the uh, septic abscess that you had in your nose from picking your nose? Septic abscess? <laughs> no. Septic abscess? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. No, no. It was the... Um, Total joke there. I, I made that up. A tick-borne illness. It was eclochlorosis or something. I probably butchered that word, but so it was super crazy. You told me that you thought like maybe you get killed by a truck or something, but then you almost die from a amoeba. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it was at that time I was a very very proud individual, and to think the thought of a tick, a bacteria from a tick taking me out, you know, that just wasn't <laughs> flying. I thought I was if I was going to go out young, I was going to go out in a blaze of glory. So. So anyway, sorry to digress there, but I thought everybody needed to know your medical record. Um, back to back to point. But um, yeah, so once I got out of the hospital, I just I actually picked my Bible up and and started reading and like not when I, and when I say reading, I wasn't just reading a chapter a day. I was consuming like what I consider a lot of Bible. You know, I was reading several chapters a day, listening to all kind of different sermons that I found on YouTube, just all kinds of different stuff, just trying to trying to gain a better knowledge and understanding of God. And it was like the more I read, the more I realized that I had a lot of misconceptions about being a Christian and stuff. Because I guess what we find in the world culturally, you know, what people say about God and Jesus isn't always doesn't always match up with what the scripture says. And so seeing those discrepancies, it kind of led me to want to read and learn more and more. Was there, in all your reading, you were devouring the Word. 
Was there any like particular passage that just stuck off the page and really caught your attention and kind of left you sleepless at night? Yeah, a big one. Um, since I'd already, you know, noticed that there was that I was looking for something. Didn't know what it was, but that I was looking for something. So when I came across and I read Matthew verse six and thirty three, I was like, "This is what I'm doing." Um, and so I felt very, I felt very confident and reassured at that point. So, what's what's that verse say for our audience yeah, members? Yeah. Um, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the things shall be added to you. And so, really and truly, at that point, I didn't know where I was going with trying to become a Christian, but I knew that if I kept seeking God, that I would find Him. And so that was a promise of God that I just kind of held on to and was was moving forward with, you know. And so from there, I started um, trying to trying to find a church, trying to find a, a body because I knew that just myself, I wasn't going to be able to gain all the knowledge about God that I, that I needed. You know, I'm, I, I knew that I didn't know very much about God, even though I was doing my best to learn about him. So you were looking for a Philip, you were the Ethiopian eunuch looking for your Philip. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, basically that's what happened. Yeah. So, so when I met you, um, tell me where and tell your, the audience, cause I'm still kind of in the dark myself. We met at a Bible study at our common friend's house, Justin Black, who at the time, I think I had just baptized Justin for their mission of sins like two weeks prior, maybe. And me and Caleb Daniel were over there having a Bible study with Justin. And then you come in the door two hours into our Bible study and just totally crash the party. Yeah. Um, like, Sorry, where were you at in all of that spiritual journey, if you want to call it that? Yeah, so I... Um... Well, I had just got off work. That's where I come oh, from. I, I remember that now. Yeah, I bar I barged in right after work. I guess at that point in my journey, I decided that I had, you know, I had wanted to get wanted to get baptized, and that was something at, that I was moving towards at the church that I was going to at the time. And um, but Justin had invited me to come come study, you know, and that's I had really been looking for a group of people to start to start studying with and stuff like that. So I was looking very forward to the opportunity to come and like share what I had learned from the scriptures with somebody and, you know, just kind of bounce ideas off of them, you know? And so, and I think that's really, really what happened there that night. You know, I come, I come in and kind of told you what, to the best of my knowledge, the plan of salvation. One of the things that, speaking of that, that really struck me and you were very intense that night, you're a pretty intense person in general, but I remember you had been studying on your own. And I don't mean to leave the impression here that you cannot come to this conclusion on your own because you completely can. In fact, if you read the Bible, you will come to this conclusion if you're reading it with all objectivity. But most people, unfortunately, due to denominational influences and what they've been told their whole lives, they typically do not come to the conclusion that baptism is for the remission of sins. Like, that is the moment in time, as Peter said, that your sins are, or I should say that Luke's, uh, <laughs> Ananias tells Paul, arise and wash away your sins like that's the moment that your sins are washed away but you had come to that conclusion on your own by the time you had come to our bible study and we hadn't even talked is that right yeah and um what for you led to that conclusion i mean was it acts 22 verse 16 that i just quoted or you know i'm guessing that's not what you were raised to believe most people aren't that basically was my christian life 
right. before I was a Christian. It was just like there wasn't much thought into it. And so when I was laying there reflecting in that hospital bed, you know, I had realized that, you know, I I thought I was, you know, until until that point, I was very sure that I was a Christian. And so, like, anytime I did something, you know, that I thought of that was a sin, you know, I would tell God, I was like, I'm sorry, God, you know, but there was no repentance. You know, it was like I said, I'm sorry, but I'm headed out. I'm going to go do the exact same thing tomorrow night or, you know, whenever. Yeah, we'll talk about repentance again in just a minute. So I don't want to get too deep into that, but that's what you're basically saying is that you were just reading your Bible and you read it for what it said and you came to that conclusion on your own. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I, I read what it said and that's, I guess what gave me the ability to do that was like I was telling you, I had heard a lot of things in the world. People misquote a lot of times when Jesus says an eye for an eye, you know, they bring, they bring that up. Like that's a new Testament concept. And when I when I had when I was reading that, I was like, man, what about the what about the next passage? What what's going on here? I mean, and it wasn't just that single occurrence. It's I saw that stuff sprinkled all throughout when I was reading my New Testament. So I was like, how many things that people commonly go about saying are, you know, the direct opposite of what the scripture says? And so I was like, I'm just going to read the Bible and do what the Bible says. It, you know, that's, I was trying to simplify it because it's not like I'm a super genius. I just wanted to keep it simple, read and do what it says. So just by the way, I don't know who I was listening to this, but if I'm this off the top of my head, Acts chapter two and verse 38, go read that passage, read it for what it says. And what conclusion would you walk away with? Would you be like chance and walk away with the same understanding? I just, I need to go get baptized for the remission of my sins not as an outward sign of some inward change that you commonly hear. And an, another big passage that you could look to would be Mark 16 and 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Uh, there's John 3 and verse 5 that he who wants to be part of the kingdom of heaven must be born again by water uh, and by spirit. There's Acts 22 verse 16. There's Galatians 3 and verse 26 and 27. Everyone that's in Christ has been baptized into Christ. When uh, Jesus and Nicodemus are talking. Yeah, the John 3, 5 passage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess we already mentioned that one. So there's so many, but that's just a testament to pursuing the truth with all just intensity. Again, you're pretty intense. (laughs) And coming to just the obvious conclusion of Scripture. But... Without belaboring that point, those are just some things to think about if you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. But going on from there, when I baptized you, you had already been baptized actually just a few weeks prior, I think. You said in that Bible study that night at Justin's house that you were going to be baptized, I think. Yeah. And you had made an appointment basically with the preacher where you went to church. Was it baptism week or something at the church? It, it wasn't baptism week. It was just... Uh... I guess a predetermined date because it was like I had said something to him at the beginning of the month and we had planned this for the end of the month. Um, okay. But so, like, were you the only one that got baptized that yeah. day? Yeah. I mean, it was just okay. me. It was just me. And, and that's, that's a very obvious sign that you're not being baptized for the remission of your sins when there's some date far off placed after you've come to the conclusion that you need to be baptized. Because if it's for the remission of sins, that means you have sins. They need washed away. And if you truly were doing it for that reason, then you do like a nice and let's go right now, get up off your knees. And they go in the middle of the night like the Philippian jailer. 
in Act 16. Um, you don't wait till the end of the month because you could die. I told you that night. I said, dude, oh. you could go home tonight and die. You realize that. Yeah. And if you die, you're lost. Do you understand that? Yeah. And I'm, and that night I told you, I said, I, I basically, I understand. Um, I said, pray for me. You know, I knew, <laughs> I knew that it was a foolish thing, but I, um, I mean, there was other factors involved that we won't get into of why yeah. you were waiting, but ultimately that is the, what happened. Yeah. So I guess between the time, so, so you waited and then eventually you did get baptized and you had told the preacher that you wanted him to say, and what it, was it that you wanted him to say? I wanted him to, I was, I was just, I went to him cause I had read and I asked him like, what are you going to say when you baptize me? And so we just kind of got into a conversation and I was just like, so you're going to baptize me for the remission of sins. And, you know, he just kind of like stopped and looked at me a little bit and didn't, didn't say a whole lot. But what he did do is he gave me an opportunity and I was like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I was like, if you're not going to do it, I want to get up and tell the people why I'm going to get baptized. I want them to know, I want this to be, uh, what do you call it? Not a testimony. I guess it is a testimony yeah. to, to the reasons that I'm getting baptized. And I wanted that to be a part of it. You know, I wanted, wanted I wanted that incorporated because I knew that's what I was getting. I knew at that point, that's why I was bringing up repentance while I go. Like I was really, I was actually wanting to change my life at that point. I was wanting to really repent where I had just been saying sorry previously in my life. I was really wanting to start that new journey as a new creation. So, yeah. And I, and I did, I, I talked with you that Friday night and then that, that Sunday I got back, I got up and gave a, a speech, you know, and told everybody there why I was getting baptized and, um, you know, got, got baptized. I remember, I think you came to church at Chapel Grove with me and Justin the next Sunday or the Sunday after maybe. And you had showed, you were excited. You showed, told me you got baptized and you showed me the video and I was just waiting for, you know, the obvious, because I had told you, I was like, your preacher's not going to say that when right. he baptized you. I told you that in advance. And you got the video, and sure enough, when he got in the water with you, he said, I'm baptizing you as a sign of that you're already saved, or, or something to that effect. If you had the video, maybe we could play a clip on here or something. But anyways, I was like, that's it right there, man. He did not baptize you for the remission of sins. And... um. I guess I wasn't as excited as you expected me to be. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't what I had hoped for. I guess you know, like I I was very com- I felt very confident at that point, very you know reassured. But ultimately, I think we baptized Haley, Justin's would be wife, now wife, and I called you up that night and I said, "Okay, man, it's time for you to get baptized for real." <laughs> and, and so I think you were like, "Okay, well, we got a cow trough out here." And so we went and baptized you. You swallowed a little bit of cow trough water <laughs> yeah. at like midnight. Uh, that was pretty cool, man. I, going back and thinking about that was all really, really cool. Well, something that you failed to mention is I, I had bleached it before before I got back. <laughs> I bleached it out. Um, you know, I would if we had a video of me trying to make sure I was going to fit and everything in there before, that would have been a great video. But... I was trying to think back. Oh, I think this is a good point to mention because I'm sure just like myself, there's been a lot of people out there that, you know, may have already previously been baptized, but may not have necessarily been baptized for the remission of sins. You know, they there's 
people baptize for a million different, you know, reasons now, you know. But when you called me up that night, it wasn't a thing of like all the pride all the pride had left me because that's I was really truly seeking God. I was like, if this is if this is gonna, you know, be something that holds me from a right relationship with God, I don't it doesn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't bother me. I knew that I had wanted to get baptized for the right reasons. I, we were already on the same page before you called me up that night. We just, you know, we needed to get the get the deed done. And I was like, okay, you know, good. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And so I think that can be a very awkward conversation to have with people, you know, is about whether or not their baptism was scriptural or not. But I mean, I don't think that was there was very much friction there when you when you called me up that night. Yeah. Well, uh, that's enough reminiscing, I guess, about that. But uh, I guess from that point forward, um, so you got baptized. You were still on uh, learning every day. You were still consuming the Word. I remember you were telling me how much you were reading your Bible and all that. You had mentioned repentance earlier, and I said we were going to get into that. So one of the things that I think is true uh, of a, becoming a Christian, and, and this is true for me today, and it just seems that much more large when you first become a Christian are is repenting because you typically have more sinful habits when you first become a Christian because you're not even aware of them. Um, but what role did repentance have in all of this, you know, from the hospital room to, let's just say to now, and what role does it have with you? Well, I think... The major, the major thing that I had to do was go from just stop saying that I'm sorry to actually changing my way, um, you know, making a full 180 and changing my life. Like I would, there was several times before where I would just be like, I'm sorry, God, and go do this, you know, go do the same thing the next night, the next day, whatever. And I felt like guilty and a sense of remorse for what I had done. But not enough to change my actions. Well, you know, after after I started reading my Bible and stuff like that, I had realized that I'm I need to change my actions along with my asking God for forgiveness. And so that's really what I started focusing my life on. I started trying to straighten up, and um, there was a lot of aspects that I immediately just kind of cut them off at that you know cut them off and went the other way. So when you repented, and I and you know we're still repenting today of when we discover sins in our lives, I, I really like the verse Acts chapter twenty six and verse nineteen and twenty. Uh, there probably is no other verse that really captures the full process of repentance. Maybe Second Corinthians seven, but anyways, Paul's talking to Agrippa and he says, "Repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance." There's more than just being sorry, basically, like you were saying. It's actually a change of mind that leads to, okay, I'm going to change, do a 180 here. And then when you make that decision, you actually do a 180 and you do works befitting that change of mind. Yeah, yeah. And I think something that goes along with that passage that you just read pretty well is um, the the parable of the gentleman who's who's cleaned his house. He's he's cleaned his house out. Oh, yeah. He's got rid of everything, but he doesn't fill it back up with anything. And so there's what seven more demons that come back that are that are worse. 
And so you figure out pretty quick that if you don't, if you get it all, if you get all the sin out of your life, but you don't fill it back up with something, there's going to be stuff that's going to try to push its way back into your life. So I think that was the next step, you know, trying to clear house on as much of the, the obvious sinful things that I knew about and then replacing those things, finding things to replace what I had been doing in comparison, you know, to, to help keep me on the right path, the straight and narrow. So what about that that you just described is different than, I guess, repentance from the standpoint of how you might hear it commonly taught out in just the religious world? Would you say there's any difference? Um, is that one of the other things that you just drew from reading your Bible rapidly? Yeah, um, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't something. Repentance wasn't something that I heard taught on a whole, a whole, whole lot. I hear a lot of people, you know, they're saying that Jesus is forgiving and stuff like that. And I think that's what it is. I think people think it's just the emotional side of it, just the emotional aspect. You know, like I was saying, I had felt bad for the wrong, for the things that I knew that I was doing wrong, but I had never made any active effort to change my ways. I would just tell God that I'm sorry. And I thought that that, that that made me right. I thought that put me in a justified place with God. Like, you know, hey, sorry that I went out and did such and such. And, you know, I, you know, then I'd go on about my life. And I, I thought at that point that I was good. You know, like I had spoken to God, told him I was sorry, and I was in right relationship with God. And then once I started reading the text, you know, reading the gospels, reading, reading the scriptures. I was like, this is not, I'm not doing this right. I'm, there's an aspect of it that I'm missing and it's the change part. So there, there's a parable. We've talked about this. I feel like I brought this up. I don't know if it was with you recently, but there's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and they both go to the temple to pray. It's in the gospel of Luke. I think I can't remember the exact chapter now. Um, but they both go to the temple to pray and one was justified when he left and one was not justified and the main difference between these two individuals was their attitude. And one of them would not, the I think it was a tax collector, would not even lift his eyes to heaven and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. The Pharisee, he went down a list of things that he had done, and he, he, would, he lifted his eyes to God and beat his breast and basically said, give me what I deserve. But the one that was justified was this, the one that said, I'm a sinner, and he wouldn't even look at God. He was so ashamed of himself. Um so would you say that previous to the attitude change, you said you used to be a really prideful person. Which one did you identify with? Oh, most definitely the Pharisee. And I, this is probably very countercultural to what people believe, but I would say that I was a lot more of a hypocrite before I was a Christian than I am now. And the reason, you know, I'll give an example of why I would say something like that. Like I was an individual, you know, that I never partook in smoking marijuana or anything like that but i was a person that would go out and get drunk every weekend so i thought you know the people that smoked and drank were worse than i was and, <laughs> and i told them that i was like you know i was like i have one problem you have two problems you know so and i took pride in that i took pride that i never that i never smoked but i was still wrong like i was still going out and doing wrong things in a you know but i i was you know i felt very proud that was a point that I was very proud of myself about that I had never that I had never done that you know and so I I very much thought that that you know like because I didn't have as many problems as them that I was better than them 
you know, and that's my mindset on that has completely 180 degrees changed. Like don't feel that way at all anymore. Well, I guess all of this, all of this leads into kind of last thing, I guess we were planning on talking about, which was the idea of sanctification and what you're describing right there sounds to me like spiritual growth, which, um, lead is the result of sanctification. And by sanctification, I mean being set apart. That's literally what it means to sanctify something, to set it apart. Uh, the priests in the Old Testament were sanctified. They were set apart for service as priests, and they went through a very elaborate ritual to signify to the people that they were indeed being set apart for service. And um, in Romans chapter 12, and verse 2, uh, Paul talks about the, the concept concept. He doesn't use the word sanctification, but the concept of setting your body and your spirit aside as uh, holy to God. Um, he literally says, present your bodies holy and acceptable to God. So that is something that starts when you come out of the waters of baptism, but it also continues the more that you grow, and the more that you grow, the more that you realize that you are undeserving of God's salvation and you become more and more thankful the more that you read and understand his what he's done for you, his will for your life, and all of that. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Would you say that that's what you have come to learn? Yeah. I think a lot of people have a backwards attitude about it when it comes to um, Christianity and doing doing what's right. Like, a lot of people look at it as, now, now that I'm a Christian, I have to live my life in this box. But the scriptures tell the the exact opposite story. We've been loosed from the chains of sin. And that's kind of the thing, you know, there was a lot of things in my life that I didn't feel like I was ever going to move past, like ever, ever going to be able to get rid of like habits that I thought was going to hold me down. And, you know, that baptism, it gave me a new, a new start, like a new opportunity. Like I really felt like I embodied the, the new person. Like I felt, I felt like a new man with a new beginning that could go out and, and do God's work at that point. I feel like the more that I'm, like, I'm, I'm being sanctified every day, the more that I read God's Word and the more I meditate on it and have spiritual conversations with friends like you, um, you know, sermons that I listen to, whatever, and it just reminds me constantly that the more that I grow in Christ and become sanctified, the, that, that I already said it before, but the more I realize that I really am undeserving and... If you're doing God's will and you are truly making Jesus Lord of your life, you're going to see fruit because that's just the natural process of planting the Word of God in your heart. You're going to see fruit. And when we talk about repentance and baptism and all this, those are things that you have a personal responsibility to do. The, the difference between somebody that does those things and is lost the Pharisee, and the one that does those things and is justified, the tax collector in that parable, is the attitude. And when you get to a point where you think that you're getting better and better, and that somehow qualifies you more unto God, you're the Pharisee. But the more that you submit yourself to God's will, the more that you're going to want to do all that He asks of you, because there's no way you could pay Him back for all He's done for you. And the more and more you realize you are unworthy and you can't lift your eyes to him. Uh, that's just a little wrap on why I brought up sanctification in the first place and something I wanted to try to clarify because I think it's, now maybe you can speak of this too, 
I don't think it's a secret at this point that we're both members of the Church of Christ. <laughs> and a, a lot of people have this persona about the Church of Christ. Now, there are different kinds of Churches of Christ, but there's this common persona that uh, the Church of Christ people are self-righteous and believe in w- works righteousness, justification by works and all that. You say that's pretty fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a common... It's basically your attitude. I think making sure that you're coming to people in love is an important factor that you that you need to do with, you know, when you're trying to correct someone. And something that I wake up and do every single day and before I go to bed at night is I'm always looking at myself. You know, I'm I'm trying to root out the sin the sin if I have any in my life. I'm really I think I spend a lot more time doing that now that I'm a Christian than looking at other people. I'm trying to sanctify myself. I'm trying to root out any little smidge of anything that I can tell because I want to be doing be doing God's work. I want to be doing that. I want to be growing closer to God. And I know that that sin is going to keep me separated from God. And so I just want to have the best relationship with God that I can. That's that's what I'm that's the goal. I'm not trying to to be better than you. Never does it cross my mind that I'm better than anyone. You know, every cuz that's all about this self-reflection. Every night when I'm going home, I'm thinking, what is chance doing wrong? What could chance do better, you know? And so, I think if you're humbling yourself to that level, like when you do see a a some sin in your brother or sister's life or, or you know, somebody that's want want to repent, like it gives you a a more humble attitude. You know, like the attitude of the of the tax collector, you know, he couldn't even look up to heaven because he knew how much of a sinner he was. And so that doesn't leave people with the thought in the mind that you're that you think that you're justified by your works. Because we know that's not true. We know that our works don't justify us. But we do those things and you see that fruit bared out in our lives because we love God and we want to have good, close, right relationship with God. So like the works aren't the things that justify us, but nonetheless, God has set these what seem, I guess the only way to describe them are arbitrary commands that he uses to test, are we truly allegiant to him? Are we loyal to him? Have we truly submitted ourselves to his lordship? So for example, baptism, like what makes baptism in and of itself uh, justifying and an act that makes you clean? I mean, there's nothing about it. God could have, I, I suppose, said jump off a cliff, and that would have been for remission of sins if he said it. I mean, it's just for whatever reason, God chose baptism. And of course, yeah, there's sure there's some symbol, there's some, some symbolism behind it. And that's maybe that's why he did it, because of the symbolism of being clean of you know by water. But otherwise, the act in itself, there's nothing in the water that makes you holy. There's nothing about your uh, body type that makes you holy when you get in the water. It's just the fact that God said do it. And when you don't do it, then you're not submitting to his will. And that's the essence of it. You're not submitting to the person that owns you. Literally, he paid the price for you that you're going to stand on Judgment Day and answer for, but you don't have the money in your hand. I, I guess, wrapping all this up, you, what you're saying is that your attitude is what matter, and perhaps there are people who have come across members of the Church of Christ, and they have the wrong attitude that member of the Church of Christ has the wrong attitude, and they demonstrate, maybe they do, maybe they do teach works-based salvation, you know, that you are saved by the very works that you perform or because you keep a certain code of conduct, you know. Um, you keep the big laws or whatever, you know. I, mean, I guess that's what you're trying to say? Yeah, 
I mean, I think if you're if you're not careful, it can come across that way. But and I think the best way to keep from that is going back to what you're saying. Every day it needs to be like Chance wakes up, Aaron wakes up, and we're striving for a, a relentless growth in our lives, in our own individual lives. And we're we're taking care of the sin in our lives before we're, you know, looking at the sin in somebody else's life and pointing it out. I would uh, recommend to y'all. Now, I don't know if these are on the internet, honestly, um, but Brother Kevin Presley, who just held a meeting at the Springer Road Church of Christ. Oh, that's what is today? April the 3rd. So this was like the third week of March. He held a meeting there and he touched on a lot of these things that we're talking about. Some points on justification, lordship, sanctification and whatnot. And um, I hope that those sermons are available. But if, if you've never heard of Kevin, just watch him. He's on Let the Bible Speak. Um, and he does touch on this stuff from time to time. And that's where a lot of my conversations with him and listening to him preach those few days has got it on my mind recently. And uh, as we're talking about this subject, it, it just it's kind of coming out, the fact that it's been on my mind and, and how some people have had bad circumstances or bad encounters with people of Church of Christ. And maybe those were legit. Maybe those were, you know, justified why they got turned off because— and I, I pray and I hope that people don't get that same encounter with when they meet me. Yeah, I mean, that's something, I guess, from the background that I've had, I mean— that's something I work very hard to not give the people an impression of. You know, I'm, I try to make sure they understand that I'm whole, that I'm humble, and you know, I and I find that you know being vulnerable with people, with you know, letting them know that I know I'm not sinless perfect. I know I'm not ever going to be sinless perfect. However, what I do strive to do every single day is serve the Lord. You know, serve the Lord relentlessly. I'm I'm in a relentless pursuit of growth. You know, I like to call it, you're saying I'm a, you know, I'm an extreme person. I want to get up and give God 110% of every, you know, my life, of everything that I got. And so if I'm, if I'm doing that, I think that that will lead to sanctification. I think that I'll, that I'll continue to grow and I'll continue to bear fruit. I guess you would say that is sanctification. I really like the, the statement, you don't grow to the point of perfection. Perfection is continual growth. And if, uh, if you get that concept down, then that will mean you'll have the right attitude, you'll demonstrate the right attitude, and if you're not, well, you will be in a couple of years as you continually grow because you've got to have that attitude, <laughs> I, I guess is, is a one way to look at it. Yes. Well, is there anything else? That, we've talked for 38 minutes now, so is there anything else that you would like to just share with the audience, things that you've learned since becoming a Christian that you would think are transforming to a spiritual life? I guess if I had to bring up just a few points, um, you're going to, if you're just coming in, you know, you're going to feel like you don't have a lot in common with those people who may have been there longer. And you, you may think, oh, you know, some of these people, they grew up in this church. This is, you know, this is just their family, this tradition. And if that is the case, you'll you'll be able to, to tell that out pretty quick. But, you know, from everything that I've experienced, you know, people – People are a lot more like you. It's not a thing of, there's a lot more to relate about. And the main thing that we all have to relate about is our beliefs, you know, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And so, like, that's the the best thing that you can ever have to relate to somebody else in. And if they truly believe that, then you can have an entire relationship built off that right there. And I think a good thing to go to show that, I mean, is me and Aaron, because we don't have a, 
a ton in common, but we've been able to build a, a great a great friendship just based upon that. I mean, what are you talking about? I'm in the manly stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, and this isn't any secret. I will tell the people, you know, on the airwaves out there, you know, when I when I first met Aaron, I wouldn't even necessarily say that, you know, I liked him. But I did I did respect him and it was because I could tell that he was he had that same interest in finding the truth in God's word that I did. You know, and from there, I mean, we've I think it's safe to say we've become best friends. I liked you. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now you've told me that before. It's just funny every time you tell me. Yeah. First impressions, if we let first impressions be our final impression, I guess there's a lot of people we wouldn't be friends with, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. Well, that'll put a wrap on this. Thanks for coming on again, Chance. And I'm going to say there's a chance that you're back on here again in the future. Well, that's it with Chance the Man, Dyer. <laughs> uh, that's not his real nickname, so don't call him that. But anyway, I was going to leave you guys with that interview, but before you go, give me your thoughts on a new segment and some even YouTube videos that I'm thinking about doing where you, well, not you, but I will watch a video on YouTube or some social media page that you all suggest to me, and I'll give you my response to it. I've seen a couple of YouTube creators that I really like do this, and usually they're being sent these ridiculous videos from just completely um, crazy people saying things that are just that are just ridiculous. And so they'll give a level-headed response to it. So this would obviously be in the context of uh, maybe a sermon on YouTube, maybe just somebody's rant and rave on YouTube, and just using some common sl- uh, not slurs uh, responses to scripture or whatever. And so then I would give my response to that as the creator of 5-Minute Bible Study. If you'd like to see videos on that, if you'd like to have that included as a segment on the podcast, let me know. I'm probably going to do it anyway. (laughs) Okay. Oh, and if so, send me some good content to respond to. With that said, we'll see you next time on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast.